DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Let's take a final illustration of this way of living love very concretely. This is Sister Marie of the Trinity now who's speaking, as I've mentioned before, Therese Navas. We are in June of that final summer of Therese's life. So again, about three months, a little over three months for Therese to live. Therese is seriously ill at this point. And a deep bond has developed between Therese and this novice, the one who is, she's one year younger than Therese. And because the tuberculosis is contagious, the prioress has limited very much the contact with Therese to those who are actually caring for her and her own blood sisters, who were actually, uh, her sister Celine was one of those taking care of her. And this was deeply painful for Marie to know that uh, Therese was approaching death and uh, she was cut off from any personal contact with Therese. So Marie writes, I have always felt the three long months of our angel's agony. I'd been forbidden to speak to her under the pretext that as I was young, I might contract her illness, but that was real. And then in parentheses, Marie writes, I was certain of the opposite, for Sister Therese had told me nobody would catch her disease, that she had asked God for this. Each day news of her health was sadder and sadder, and I was smothered with pain. One day I went to take a walk in the garden, and I saw her in her wheelchair under the chestnut trees. When her father died, the family gave to the Carmel the wheelchair. Uh, It's kind of a large, it's not a wheelchair in the way we would know it today, a little bit larger, a wooden construction in which once his legs were immobile, their father had spent his last years, and they donated that to the Carmel, and Therese is actually using now the same uh, chair that her father had used. And so they they wheel her out under the trees just to get her uh, outdoors. At this point, she's still able to do that much. She was all alone, and she made a sign for me to approach. Marie answers, oh no, they would see us, and I have no permission. I entered the grotto of the Holy Face, where I began to cry. Lifting up my head, I saw with surprise little Sister Therese seated on a trunk of a tree at my side. She said, I haven't been forbidden to come to you. I I love this about Therese. All right, you can't come to me, but no one's told me I can't come to you. And even though I should die of it, I want to console you. She dried my tears and placed my head on her heart. I begged her to return to her wheelchair, for she was trembling with fever. Therese answers, yes, but not before you have laughed for me. This I did immediately for fear she would get worse, and I helped her regain her wheelchair. 
I don't really think we need much commentary there, but there, there you see again that exquisite sense of another person's pain and uh, the sensitivity with which she meets it, regardless of the cost to herself. As I've said a number of times, you don't have to go very deep into Therese to encounter the heroic. It's there again. This was her way of life. This is what she means when she says, all I want is love. My vocation in the heart of the church, I found it. It's love. In the heart of the church, I will be love, and I'll be everything. The final quality of Therese that I'd like to highlight before moving to a very brief conclusion is uh, her smile, her laugh, her humor. I mentioned earlier that you don't see this in the photos because they had to remain without moving for nine seconds. And so this never appeared, but the photos that we see, but her habitual expression was that smile. That's how the sisters all knew her. This is her sister, Leonie, in the process for beatification, who is uh, writing. She was very cheerful and witty. She had a great sense of humor and was very good at doing impressions of people's voices and mimicking their gestures. I mentioned before she would do this of uh, different people, for example, that they'd met guides on that trip to Rome, and people would just split their sides laughing. They just loved it when Therese would do this. But never to my knowledge did this little amusement degenerate into mockery or give rise to the slightest uncharitableness on her part. She had the tact to know exactly when to stop. So at the community recreation, sometimes she would do these things, and the sisters would just, they would just roar laughing. Uh, her father had that gift too, by the way. All right, this is Celine who writes, To the end of her life, Therese retained those childlike and charming mannerisms which made her company so pleasant and attractive. In fact, you read in one of these testimonies that when Therese, for whatever reason, was not there at one of those recreations, the sisters would say, we're not going to laugh today. All the nuns wanted to visit her in the infirmary, so this is during her final illness. Her lovable cheerfulness seemed to take on a new dimension as her suffering increased. While it was only another manifestation of her fortitude of soul, it was also the effect of her exquisite charity. She sought in this way to lighten our poignant sorrow as we thought of the impending separation. It's the unshakable other-centeredness in Therese that even as she is the one in pain and dying, when her sisters or others would come to visit her in the infirmary, her concern was that the visit not be heavy, and she would find ways with puns, with... Um, just uh, uh, charming observations on things to get them laughing. And this again, uh, referring to her final illness, this is her cousin, Marie. If you were to see our little patient, you wouldn't be able to stop laughing. Now, if we just pause on that, there's a lot of heroism with her body in pain and just knowing that death is imminent. She always has to be saying something funny. Ever since she has become convinced that she is going to die, she has been cheerful as a little finch. There are times when one would pay to be near her. It's somewhat amusing to see her laugh and to see her mischievous look when she's telling all this and goes on to remarks about the doctor and, and, and so on. And that was Therese, uh, keeping the others cheerful, you know, in the midst of her, her illness like that. And then finally, one very brief quotation something that she said to uh, Sister Marie of the Trinity, her novice. One day she said, My cheeks hurt from laughing so much. My cheeks hurt from laughing so much. 
And I think it's to be hoped that we could say that, at least occasionally in our lives, we'll give such joy to others as Therese did uh, in the Carmel. Now, on one occasion, as I'll move toward a conclusion here, she said the following to her sister, Celine. Well, Celine recounts this. Among her duties to God, the servant of God attached particular importance to gratitude for favors received. We've talked a little bit about this, but gratitude was of special importance for Therese. As we live our spiritual lives, well, the way Celine recounts this, as a duty that we owe God, is gratitude for favors received. She said to me, these two are words that I've often thought about. Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. Let's hear that again. What it well? What let's ask it as a question, then answer it. What it, what more than anything else brings God's grace into our souls, into our lives, into our hearts? Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. Just to recognize God's gifts of love, to recognize gifts of love from other people around us who have done things for us or eased our path in various ways, and this again too in the ordinary quality of daily life. Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. All of us, I'm sure as I say this, don't have to think too hard to remember a time when someone said thank you to us, a thank you that we've never forgotten, uh, when we've reached out or tried to help in various ways. And maybe the person said no more than that even, but, sim but said thank you and let us know that he or she was grateful and we never forget it. Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. What if we had a culture of gratitude in our families, in our parishes, in our workplace? So I'm going to say it again. Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. Do you want to grow in love of God? What's the most sure, grace-filled way to do it? See God's gifts. Express your gratitude to God. Again, this is where Ignatius begins the daily examine precisely why he begins it. It's the most important thing to see in every day. Gratitude is the thing that brings us the most grace. I have learned this from experience. Try it and you will see. Try it and you will see. It could almost be a commission that St. Therese gives to us. I am content with whatever God gives me, and I show him this in a thousand little ways. All right, to conclude, I'm going to read two final quotations uh, to conclude. And the first is uh, back to one of her letters. This is in April of the last year of her life. She died on September 30th of that year. And this is a letter to a seminarian, Maurice Bellier, uh, who later would be, after her death, would be ordained and uh, serve as a missionary in Africa until he contracted an illness, had to come back to France, and spent the final time of his life in the same institution where uh, Therese's father uh, had been institutionalized for those years. And uh, he's struggling as a seminarian. He's asked for the prayers of one of the Carmelite sisters. The prioress asks Therese to pray for him. And there is this brief exchange of letters in the last months of her life. And um, it's here, as I mentioned earlier, more than anywhere else. You see, Therese will answer these letters because she knows his need at the cost of uh, enormous physical uh, exertion in her illness. So he says in this letter to her, Since your exile still lasts, so Therese has let him know that, uh, of course, she hasn't died yet from the tuberculosis. Since your exile still lasts, sister, 
please continue for me the sweet consolation of your good and holy thoughts. And this is why she writes to him, because he, he really wants to hear from her. You will never be able to measure the good they are doing me. The breeze coming from Carmel to refresh my burning and tired head makes me better by giving me new fervor. And it's my hope that what we've done here in these conversations uh, would open a window for a little bit of that breeze, that refreshing breeze flowing from the Carmel from Therese that can take our burning and tired head, uh, the weariness, the, the discouragement at times that we may feel, and uh, refresh all of that and instill within us a new fervor to love and serve the Lord. And finally, I'll conclude, okay, we'll conclude with words of her cousin Marie, as I mentioned in the Carmel with her. This is September 11th, so we're 20 days before her death at this point. One day she made me promise that I would be a saint. She was asking me if I were making any progress, and I answered, I promise you that I'll be a saint when you have left for heaven. At that moment, I'll put my whole heart into it. And Therese answers, and this is for all of us, Oh, don't wait for that. Begin now. And then a personal memory. The month which preceded my entrance into Carmel has remained for me a very sweet memory. Her entrance was delayed a few months because uh, they wanted to spare her the rigors of the Lenten fast at her young age of 15. So they had her enter when the Lent ended. So she had a longer wait than she had expected. That's the period she's writing about here. The month which preceded my entrance into Carmel has remained for me a very sweet memory. At first I said to myself, I'll be a saint when I'm in Carmel. While waiting, I won't put myself out. But God showed me the value of time. I did just the opposite of what I was thinking. I wanted to prepare myself for my entrance by being very faithful, and it's one of the most beautiful months of my life. So here's her conclusion. Believe me, don't wait until tomorrow to begin becoming a saint. So we'll take that as our commission from St. Therese. We'll return to the letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the Church. Father, hear the prayer of your family 
and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. A teaching of St. Paul from his first letter to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, strive eagerly for the greatest spiritual gifts, but I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in human and angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and comprehend all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I own, and if I hand my body over so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. Love is not pompous. It is not inflated. It is not rude. It does not seek its own interests. It is not quick-tempered. It does not brood over injury. It does not rejoice over wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. If there are prophecies, they will be brought to nothing. If tongues, they will cease. If knowledge, it will be brought to nothing. For we know partially, and we prophesy partially. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I used to talk as a child, think as a child, reason as a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. At present, we see indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. At present, I know partially. Then I shall know fully, as I am fully known. So faith, hope, and love remain, these three. But the greatest of these is love. We now return to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. 
Father Gallagher, I just want to say how grateful I am, and I'm sure many people out there, for your beautiful stewardship of the gifts of these letters that we have and breaking it open for all of us, giving this glimpse into the heart of this soul and the experience of this beautiful family and to get to know them in this particular way has just been an extraordinary experience. I hope this has been a, a fruitful time for you as well. Well, in a way I couldn't have foreseen, putting all of this into words has made it come alive in its own way for me. And I found it quite moving at times. Uh, It's poignant to get in touch with this life, with its human tragedy and its incredible spiritual richness, and just the beauty of who Therese is. It's said of some people that you can't spend time with them with them without becoming yourself better. And that's so eminently true of Therese. So it's a wonderful thing to break open some of these primary sources the way we have, and I hope it helps just to awaken interest, and above all, to find courage and hope and strength through Therese. It's so much more than the experience of a small little prayer card that we might have gotten with a little prayer on the back. But then again, those small little prayer cards are like keys, aren't they, that can open a door. I I think that's the way it was for my grandmother. She had little prayer cards of Therese, and she would talk about praying to St. Teresa, the little flower. And yet she had a wonderful relationship with her. I never really understood it until now. And I, I can't help but think that my grandmother encountering her now in this wonderful cloud of witnesses that the conversation she might have with that little one and getting to know the rest of the family. And that's that's something that's available for all of us. When her centenary came around, the centenary of her birth, we've mentioned earlier the project of the uh, complete critical publication of all of her writings. With that available, in the original French, these writings have been uh, translated into other languages so that we're really blessed now since the 1970s to have excellent resources that were not available to us before then. And, and we've just plumbed a little bit you know, of what's found in there. So we have an access to her that is new in our own time and is a great gift that's worth plunging into that sea, I would say. So, I mean, I know for me now... When I pray with St. Therese, I can't help but think of Sally and Louis and her beautiful sisters, Marie, Pauline, Celine, Leonie. Now it's, it's even wonderful. We've been invited into their family, haven't we? Yes, we have. Books are constantly being written on Therese, and you can see why. There's so much to explore. And there are excellent books now also about those family relationships. But I think what we've essentially done is through immersion in the primary sources, we've seen the real-life situation in which the the teachings are incarnate. Literally, they take on flesh in that sense, and uh, they become understandable. They make so much sense. And they're all the more telling because her situation, her family life, and so on in so many ways is something to which we can relate to. 
you know, we've seen the, the witnesses say this, that people in the world, not, this isn't for people in, alone in the convent, it's for everyone, because it's so daily. Well, I guess in closing then, Father Gallagher, could you offer for us all a prayer to the little flower? St. Therese, we bless you for the gift that God gave to the Church through you. We bless you that we have known you in our lives, that you have been a source of grace for us, and we ask that that grace increase and deepen. You said that you wanted to spend your heaven doing good on earth, and we ask that you make us, in some real measure, the recipients of that good. With all that it means for you, send a shower of roses upon us. Walk with us, accompany us, be our sister. Until one day we join with you in eternity. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father Gallagher. Thank you, Chris. You've been listening to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.